Take It From Us is taking a well-deserved break at the moment, so today's episode is a repeat program. This is Mental Health Radio. Take it from us, and that's our theme music from Joe Cocker, his track called uh, Respect Yourself. Uh, I'm host Sheldon Brown, and uh, Mental Health Radio, Take It From Us, is brought to you and funded by Ember Wellbeing Trust. Uh, the broadcast today is about our guest operating from the heart. Mel, who's in the studio today and uh, uh, has set up a charity to distribute pamper packs to women experiencing depression and, and anxiety. This heartfelt gesture results from the pain Mel experienced from her own depression and anxiety, which intensified uh, as a result of trying to give up smoking and using a medication which caused her mental health to deteriorate seriously. Well, more about that soon. So let's welcome Mel to Mental Health Radio. Take it from us. Mel, welcome. Hi. How are you? Good. Great, great. So uh, this is your first radio show, isn't it? <laughs> that's radio right. radio interview. <laughs> yes, that's right. How are you feeling? Good, good, thanks. No, not too much anxiety? Ah, uh, no, no. I did some deep breathing before I got here. Oh, well, that's wonderful. So uh, w- what's your charity called? Uh, so we're called Sisters at Heart uh, or Sisters at Heart NZ on Facebook. Right, so uh, they people can access you on Facebook at Sisters at Heart um, NZ. Yes, that's right. Right. So, what are you posting on that Facebook page? Uh, we post when we have pamper packs available um, to see if there's women out there that uh, need it, um, and also we put links to different resources for mental health to sort of give people, you know, places to go and organisations that they can go and see. Right. So these pamper packs—that's that, the focus of uh, Sisters at Heart, isn't it? Yes, that's yeah. right. Well, what's included in those pamper packs? Uh, usually we uh, have face masks, uh, hand cream, moisturiser, body wash, um, eye masks, that sort of thing. Anything that makes you feel good. Right. Um, and how long has it been operating, this charity? Uh, so we've been going for about six months now. Started earlier in the year and, um, yeah, we're going strong. So where did the idea sort of... Uh, where did the inspiration for this charity come from? Uh, well, one day I decided uh, to do something on the Pay It Forward page and uh, wanted to put a little gift together for someone that might be struggling with mental health issues. Um, and so I advertised it on a Pay It Forward page and the response that we got was 
overwhelming and so many women shared their stories of you know what they're going through um and so we realized we'd need more pamper packs and um so yeah it sort of rolled on from there now excuse my ignorance but a pay at ford page how does that work um so there are quite a few different pay it forward pages um within different communities uh, the one i use is pay it forward north shore right so th- that means uh, I'm trying to understand. So you go on to a Pay It Forward page and you promoted the fact that you wanted to distribute these pamper packs to people with uh, depression and anxiety and that um, encouraged people to respond to that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then we started the Facebook page and so we've had a lot of people come through that as well. Yeah, so how many of these have you distributed? Uh, we've distributed over 100 since um, since we started and hoping to double that in the next 6 to 12 months. And so how does it work? Do, uh, how do you determine who should receive these pamper packs? <laughs> I mean, uh, you meet the woman or you talk to them on the phone or they just come in? Uh, well, they just come through and, um, you know, we often do it on a first first come first serve basis because I mean you know so many of these women have their own personal stories and they're all so worthy of a pamper pack so um, yeah we do it based on availability right. and try and help as many people as we can. So you, you've been a bit overwhelmed with the demand for this? <laughs> Absolutely once the word got out it's kept us pretty busy. So, really? Yeah. So have you been able to meet uh, all the demand? Or? Uh, yes we have although we are low on donations at the moment so um, we've been reaching out to different businesses to see um, if they can donate products and that sort of thing and um, yeah we've had some good success with that uh, but it's obviously that's an ongoing thing that we're constantly working on. So if there was anybody listening today that was interested in this and wanted to support uh, the Sisters at Heart, um, how could they get in touch with you? Uh, they can go to my f- uh, Facebook page Sisters at Heart NZ and and send us a message through there, that would be great. Yeah, and, and what sort of you're looking for, those things that you mentioned, those, um, I guess they're feel-good, feel-good items, aren't That's they? That's right. Or make, That's you right. Feel, make you feel good? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So the stories that you're hearing from uh, the woman who come and collect the pamper packs, uh, are they in line with your own experience of uh, depression and anxiety? Well, I think everyone that's come through has all come from different walks of life and different life situations that they're dealing with. Um, but, yeah, the the general overall feeling of depression and anxiety is something I can certainly relate to. And when did that start in your life? Uh, for me, it started when I was in my early 20s. Um, that's when I was first diagnosed with depression. Um, there wasn't a lot known about depression at that time. It didn't have the same awareness that it does now. Um, so, yeah, it was it was quite tough sort of navigating that. I mean, what tipped you off that you... I mean, were you not feeling too well? You felt a bit sad or... <laughs> 
Um, I think it was to do with my lifestyle at that time. I was working in a really stressful, high corporate job, um, and I think the um, the pressure of that certainly triggered some anxiety and depression. Yeah. I mean, in the corporate world, they call it burnout. <laughs> That's right. I got burnt out at twenty two. <laughs> oh, really? You must have been going for it. I was burning yeah. it at both ends. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So was it? It was some lifestyle choices plus the, the the sort of pressure of working in the corporate world was yeah yeah that was sort of a combination um, of lifestyle and also just the stress of working in such a high pressure environment so so what did you do when you you, you knew maybe that something was not quite right so who did you go and see uh, well I did go and see um, a doctor who prescribed um, Prozac at the time and um, there was a lot of negative press around taking Prozac um, so it was um, quite a quite a scary time whether to, to use the medication or not. Mm. Um, I actually at the time chose therapy as um, as a way to work with it. So what did you do with that prescription? Did you use it or did you? No, I didn't. Really? <laughs> I knuckled on and just got got, got on with it really. But um, yeah, it was definitely a, a dark time. But do you mention knuckled on? I mean, it's <laughs> like uh, blokes are told to harden up. Yeah, they? that's uh, right. Women knuckle on, do they? But yeah. did that work for you? Um, no, I mean, eventually I had to leave my job at the, at the time and um, re- really look at my life and um, what I was doing with it and it led to a whole career change which was great um, but yeah it was a lot of changing, um, changing the job made a huge difference to my mental health at that time So sometimes our mental health can be a benefit to us, can't it? It gets <laughs> us out of these rat race, high pressure corporate uh, jobs um, yeah. that, that was the sort of thing that uh, brought me down eventually you know, working on an hourly rate and always having to perform and produce and service clients and that sort of thing and it's, it's okay when uh, you've got plenty of clients and they're spending money. That's right. But uh, when that all drops away, you're left feeling, or I was left feeling, that I couldn't really compete. You know, the other people were doing so much better than I I had, and I guess I was uh, one of the top performers at one stage. Yeah, I can relate to that. You can relate to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So... Um, you know, I got out and um, and the end result was working for uh, a mental health and addictions charity, which I've done for several years. That's and great. to some, some extent, your path has been a bit like that. You've set up your own charity to help others. Yeah, that's right. So you, what, what, what stimulated to, you to help others? Um, I think it was just wanting to get out of my own head and sort of do something for someone else. Um, there's something about giving freely and giving without judgment or expectation that um, it's really quite fulfilling. Um, I've also gotten really involved with my local community and just having those connections um, has, has been a wonderful thing. So when we start thinking of other people, and not self-obsessing about ourselves. I mean, is that a fair summary of uh, what was happening for you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know, just meeting women who are going through similar experiences or, you know, have 
worse situations than I do. Um, just hearing their stories and being able to relate and feel like, oh, I'm not alone right. um, has been really helpful. I mean, it is great to have that feeling that you're not alone in this, that it's quite a universal sort of experience. That's right, yeah. So have you gained quite a lot of strength from hearing the stories of the woman who come in to collect the pamper bags? Absolutely, yeah. It sort of um, makes you reflect on your own life and sort of make you appreciate, you know, the good things that you have um, because there are people out there that are a lot worse off than I am. Um, So, yeah, it makes you certainly grateful for what you have. So that gratitude is being thankful for good things that are happening. I mean, there's a uh, Facebook page called uh, The Happiness Experiment. And every day you think of three good things that have happened or may happen and write those down in a journal. You know, it's a sort of three good things um, philosophy, I guess. Yeah, that's great. What a great initiative. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's take a music break, and today we're uh, going to play from a CD, Nothing But The Blues. Uh, well, that's fairly predictable for me because I'm a real blues flair fan, and uh, the first track is Black Magic Woman.
Classic Santana track, uh, Black Magic Woman, and uh, this is uh, Mental Health Radio. Take it from us, I'm host Sheldon Brown, and today we're talking to Mel, who has set up a charity called, uh, Mel, what's it called again? Uh, Sisters at Heart and Sisters at Heart NZ on Facebook. Right, so uh, if uh, there's anybody listening that would want to get in touch with you, they can do that through the Facebook page. Your mental health challenged uh, challenges. I mean, apart from the corporate work and the stress of work and that sort of thing, were there, were there other personal issues that you were addressing? Uh, no, it was mostly um, being in the work environment that I was in at the time. Yeah. But sometime later in your life, uh, you wanted to give up smoking, and uh, something happened there. That's right. Yes. So what was that? Uh, so I took Champix to give up smoking and um, and was unable to sleep for five days uh, and that triggered a psychotic episode, um, which unfortunately put me into hospital for a few weeks. So did you link the Champix medication with the fact that you couldn't sleep or did you just think that suddenly you weren't sleeping? Yeah, I didn't, um, funnily enough, I just didn't put the two and two together at the time. Um, But yeah, it was certainly the longest period I've ever gone without sleeping. It's a bit like taking meth. (laughs) What I've heard, yes. (laughs) No personal experience. No. Right. Definitely not. But I believe. I mean, so so this is a recognised... Uh, anti-smoking medication, is it? It's Uh, a medication? Yes, that's right, yeah. And, you know, deep, dark down in my brain, I've seen publicity about Champix and and people warning about what can happen. I mean, what's your understanding? Um, Well, there are a number of side effects from taking Champix. And um, interestingly, in Australia, there's been a link between Champix use and... um, and people committing suicide. Um, so it does affect people in different ways. Um, I also have read that um, if you're prone to depression, um, that Champix can actually make it worse. Um, and was that your experience? I mean, you, you had five days of sleepless or five nights, uh, very sleepless, yeah. um, became psychotic. Um, who came to your rescue? Uh, I have a wonderfully supportive husband and um, he was there with me when I went through it and was the one who eventually took me into the hospital. So with this impact of the Champix, what did you do about that? <laughs> did you... Did you, did you uh, object to the doctor who had prescribed it to you or did you check out research uh, the impact of Champix I mean it's a it's a pretty intense um, side effect if you like isn't it yeah that's right yeah and I did a lot of reading afterwards and um, reading different case studies of people who had gone through psychosis due to Champix right 
So it it, it does happen. It's, uh, yours was not just uh, a one-off. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. It's happened to other people as well. Yeah. So it's just not, um, I guess, widely publicised. But th- there was a a major development in your mental health as a result of this uh, psychosis. Uh, how much do you want to say about that? Um, I think that, you know, it was a very dark place that I went to when I was in the psychosis and um, and spending five weeks in hospital was, um, was not my favourite thing to do. Um, but it has made me reevaluate my whole life and I've instigated, like, new lifestyle changes with health and nutrition um, I make sure I exercise and I do yoga and meditation and that sort of thing. Um, and those are things that I didn't have in place before this episode. So it's been um, quite life-changing in a positive way. So it's a bit of a lose-win situation. <laughs> That's you, right, you could call it that. <laughs> you had to go through the pain to uh, to get the game. But it sounds as though you've been, you know, you've shown a lot of personal responsibility in in your recovery. Um, yeah, I think that you kind of have to put the focus on yourself when you're going through that recovery phase and you do have to make your health a priority. Who, who introduced you to those wonderful things like meditation and yoga and, um, well, I think, did you mention mindfulness as well? No, mindfulness is, <laughs> is something that you, 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 you haven't really got in tune with. <laughs> not a fan of mindfulness. No, not a fan. <laughs> I'd rather meditate. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> so of those things that are sort of natural strategies, aren't they, to stay well and get well and to stay well, what do you rate as being the most important? For me personally, um, I found exercise to be the number one thing. Um, It gives you that sense of achievement that you've done something for the day. Um, It lifts your endorphins so that you feel happier. Um, And it's been um, doing yoga and going to the gym has has made a huge difference in my mental health. So the exercise that you talk about, what what is that? Uh, So I do weights. I do weight, uh, weight training. Wow. And I've you, only just started, though. So. Oh, really? How many days? It's been tough. It's been <laughs> tough, let me tell you. Well, you're probably taking on one of the toughest things, aren't you? Weight, uh, weight, weight work? Yeah, yeah, but I like the feeling afterwards. It's right. a real sense of achievement. And when you feel strong physically, it feel, helps you feel strong mentally as well. Well, that's a wonderful thing to say. Um, it's so how, how many weeks have you been doing this weight training? So I've uh, been going for three weeks. Um, before that, though, I was doing a lot of running, so I've always sort of had that exercise component since my recovery. Right. Yeah. Well, they say that running or walking uh, is the best antidepressant around. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and I get think, on the beach and do a good run, and yeah. you feel great. And I think that there was something uh, about uh, the benefits of jogging, I think, in terms of cardiovascular uh, health and, uh, you know, that they've con- the researchers have concluded that these things are really beneficial to our mental health and it, certainly it's one of the reasons uh, why I've played a lot of sport. You know, right, yeah. Rugby and squash and still playing tennis and, you know, I get those endorphins after playing a nice show down the tram lines, which I did yesterday. Oh, last wow, night. well yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> Got another game tonight. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's have another uh, music track and we're playing uh, from a CD called Nothing But The Blue. 
news. And uh, this one uh, is from Howling Wolf called Little Red Rooster, but it's one that uh, Mick Jagger and the Stones also did. So this is uh, Little Red Rooster on Take It From Us.
Classic rock on mental health uh, radio, taken from us from Howling Wolf called Little Red Rooster, and uh, I've certainly got that on a Stones track. And uh, every time I listen to it, it pretty much gets me up dancing. So uh, it's got to have the right effect. Uh, the blues, the blues, uh, it's a bit of a contradiction, isn't it? The blues often lifts our spirits, even though it uh, sounds like it. Sh- they should depress us because they're called the blues. <laughs> you like the blues, uh, Mel? Uh, yeah, I do. I'm not. A, yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, going back into the 70s and 80s when a lot of the blues was sort of uh, played, and well, it's probably born out of the 20s and 30s, I suppose. But yeah, yeah. Is there, what sort of blues would you listen to? <laughs> Mel's Mel's dumbfounded. I'm stumped. Uh, stumped on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, Let's go back to your uh, Sisters at Heart uh, charity. Uh, how has that, that charitable work helped your own mental health? Um, it's had a really positive impact on my mental health. Um, just that connection with other women who are going through um, their experiences. Um, yeah, it's been, been very, very positive. I mean, I guess uh, you are finding that the incidents of depression and anxiety uh while you're um focusing on on women um i mean what what's your thought about this sort of incidence of depression and anxiety in our, in new zealand society well one of the things i think that's been interesting since i started sisters at heart is um the the poverty that um, that exists in in our community and um, you know a lot of women that I've met that have mental illness um, they've also lost jobs or they might be on a sickness benefit so they're struggling financially and that seems to be um, a major cause of anxiety for these women on top of you know the depression that they're already going through and and maybe they have children to support and they don't have uh, a partner or a husband uh, there they've maybe run off or walked off or just got out of it yeah that's right yeah yeah 
Well, I mean, I was, uh, I work in Otahu on a Monday and I was looking to buy something in the streets uh, in, in um, Great South Road in Otahu and uh, I was there at nine o'clock the other morning and uh, none of the shops were open and I was sort of standing looking for a particular shop and this uh, woman came up to me and basically she was begging. Oh, wow. And she didn't really say what she wanted. She sort of said, look, could you help me? Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you, she said. And I had to sort of say to her, well, are you looking for money? And she said, well, yes. And I said, well, I work in mental health. That's where I put my focus and I try and help people in mental health. But I'm not into just handing money out on the street. And... From being quite uh, connected, you know, she felt clearly rejected and just walked off. Uh, It was a disturbing experience uh, on a Monday morning, but, I mean, basically a beggar. Mm. You know, basically a beggar. And, uh, I mean, there are some I know um, I've seen on neighbourly sites where uh, people are warning about... um, these sorts of people, they stand at strategic places and they tell a story about how they've got two or three children in the car just round the corner and they they haven't got enough money to feed them. But these people, I think some of them, and I'm not saying this woman in Idaho is an example, but some mm. I think are scamming scamming people. How do you know whether, you know, the people that come to you for a pamper pack and help are really genuine? Uh, so they write into us and let us know, you know, where they're at in their lives and um, and tell us their their stories. Uh, and then when I've met them, um, they have all just been very genuine, lovely women, just going through a hard time. So um, yeah, I don't have haven't had any issues with anyone that's tried to scam us in any way. Right. Um, I think if you're going to, re- you know. If you're going to reach out and give your story and talk about your mental health issues, then, you know, you're certainly worthy of having a pamper pack. How much contact do you have with uh, some of these women uh, after they've taken the pack away? Do they update you on on things they may have spoken to you about? Yeah, that's right. So we've made um, connections with a number of women and um, on an ongoing basis. Um, I also work with the local food bank, so I've been able to help these women um, get food parcels for their families. Um, and we're also working on Christmas hampers for um, women in the community that are struggling, and um, it's been wonderful to be a part of that. So what's involved with the food bank? Uh, so we deliver um, to families in need on the North Shore, um, and we, as I say, we've got this Christmas hamper pack that's coming up um, that's just full of lots of goodies for a Christmas dinner and dessert. So is that going to be through uh, Sisters at Heart or is that going to be through the food bank or a combination of the two? Yes, yeah, so Sisters at Heart is working with the local food bank and we'll be um, providing um, those hampers to some of the women that we have in need that we've met through Sisters at Heart. Yeah, do you want to mention the name of that food bank or is that difficult? No, sure, it's uh, the Shore Vineyard Church on the North Shore. Right. So do you have uh, an association, uh, a spiritual 
association or religious association at all? Um, I wouldn't call myself religious, but I do, um, do I do believe in God and I do go to church. Yeah. Right, yeah. I find um, praying has been a huge um, thing in helping with my recovery. Oh, brilliant. This, um, I mean, the wider issue of depression and anxiety in New Zealand, um, what what do you think are some of the things that are contributing to depression and anxiety? And, of course, the, the suicide rate, which uh, continues to climb by sort of 10%, per- 10% a year. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think the standard of living and the cost of living has become a real issue for a lot of people. Um, you know, it's stressful having to find the money to pay bills every week and um, I think that certainly exasperates any anxiety and depression. Mm. Um, so I think that's, that's had a factor. Um, I think social media can also be quite dangerous for people with mental illness. Um, it can be quite tough when you're feeling low and feeling down about yourself to be reading about what, you know, the amazing lives that everyone else is living. Apparently. Apparently, supposedly. (laughs) So what social media do you, apart from Facebook, uh, I mean, are you active on Instagram or Twitter or... Um, we have an Instagram page for Sisters at Heart um, and we have the Sisters at Heart uh, Facebook page. Um, but I try to take breaks from social media. So I use it personally every now and then. But, um, yeah, it is something I do make myself take a break from. I mean, in terms of what you've learnt uh, since that hospitalisation, your recovery, your um, devotion to, well, the, the three-week devotion to exercise, <laughs> and weight, weight training and that sort of thing. I mean, are you, are you posting about the benefits of your recovery strategy? Uh, so... With my Facebook page, I've tried to to not make it about myself and make it more about the women that are... that that are in the community um so i don't tend to post you know exercise updates or anything like that um but what i do do is link pages to women for support groups and um, different courses that they can do for mental health issues and that sort of thing and i think that you mentioned uh, because one of the things that i've um, had difficulty sort of accessing is a depression and anxiety support group Mm. And actually, to my knowledge, uh, there are, there aren't such uh, groups, you know, which surprises me. I mean, Anxiety New Zealand does a very good job, I think, in in pulling uh, anxiety strategies together, and you can go there and uh, I think get some sort of free counselling. But also, they have a, a range of psychologists there where you would. To pay for therapy. Uh, you did mention to me about a Facebook page, I think, uh, to do with depression and anxiety. Uh, yes, there's a depression and anxiety support group for women that's run on Facebook. Um, and that's a good network for, you know, sharing your experiences and learning from others. And I suppose an opportunity for people to uh, talk about what has helped their depression and anxiety. That's right, yeah. And, you know, also women on there seeking advice about how to deal with, you know, certain situations. And Mm. having um, that group support, I think, is quite important. 
I mean, when you were prescribed medication, the Prozac, um, and, you know, you mentioned that Champix uh, could lead to people taking their lives. Well, I mean, I think the same goes for uh, particularly teenagers who are prescribed Prozac, and we've interviewed mothers who have lost uh, teenage children because they've uh, been more partly due to being prescribed antidepressant medications. Well, what's your view generally about medication in, in, you know, in addressing depression and anxiety? Um, so I think that medication can be really helpful. Um, the thing with medication, though, is that, you know, every medication has its different side effects. And I think um, it can be a bit of a journey finding the right medications, you know, for um, for your mood and um, to, to lower that anxiety. So, so with the Prozac, uh, you... Decided not to take it, even though it was prescribed. Is that, I'm understanding that. Have you in the past had to take um, anti-anxiety medication or antidepressants? Um, yes, I have. So in the last um, the last few years, I've been on antidepressant medication. And and the side effects that uh, that impact you. Uh, I luckily don't have any side effects. Um, I did go through a period of time where um, the medication I was on was making me feel like a zombie. Um, and so I went back to the doctor and got them to relook at it. And um, since then, um, I take my medication every day and it manages the symptoms really well. And any uh, desire to sort of lower maybe the amount that you're having to take or... Um, I think if it's not broken, don't fix it. <laughs> so while it's working, I'll just continue with, with what it. I'm doing. Yeah, right. And I think that's the other thing with medication is the longer you take it, the more your body gets used to it and those side effects um, can go away. So, right, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's take another music break on uh, Mental Health Radio. Take it from us. We're playing uh, from a CD called Nothing But The Blues. So uh, you're getting the blues today. And this is from Emma Franklin. It's one that uh, Mel, our guest, uh, really likes. Take a little piece of my heart.
was it's Mental Health Radio. Take it from us and let's uh, take a little piece of my heart from uh, Emma Franklin. We're talking today to uh, Mel who has uh, set up a charity about June this year uh, to help a woman with um, depression and anxiety. And uh, what's... Uh, What's so good about that track, uh, Mel? Take a little piece of my heart. It's, it's a track you really like. I do. I, I love the song. I love the Janis Joplin version. Right. Has it uh, got some special significance for you? <laughs> I just love the the music from that era. Yeah. Big Woodstock fan. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. What I, I'm trying to think, there was all sorts of uh, wonderful groups that came out of Woodstock, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Well, Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker. Well, we played Joe Cocker at the start of the show. Uh, respect yourself. Um, but, you know, you mentioned uh, we, we were talking about the seriousness of mental health issues and people taking their lives. I think, what, Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin. Both yes, of, both drug overdoses. At the age of 27, too, yeah, I think. That's right. What is it about the age of 27 that seems to be <laughs> significant among uh, rock musicians? Yeah, they don't live long, do they? <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that amazes me is how long Mick Jagger and the Stones have lasted. Oh, that's right, yeah. Because they've abused their uh, bodies, I think, fairly well and um, seem to be still going. At Mick... Um, I think had some heart surgery recently and he's back rocking better than ever, I think. Oh, wow. So um, I guess as a bloke, uh, Mel, um, when a bloke's going to get the pamper packs to <laughs> help with their depression and anxiety. Somebody actually did um, did say that I should do that. But um, if anyone wants to start that, I think that's a great idea. Well, in fact, you have a goal, don't you, uh, with uh, Sisters at Heart to um, to try and get it uh, in other centres and to be nationwide. Yes, yes, we'd hope to have a Sisters at Heart and, and um, most cities in New Zealand would be the ultimate goal. Yeah, how are you going to go about that? Uh, I'm going to work my butt off. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, but how would you even start? I mean, uh, I guess by doing a radio show on uh, Take It From Us is, well, yes. uh, is a little start, isn't it? That is a good start, yeah. And we promote it among a lot of mental health uh, Facebook pages and uh, also to a database, so let, let's hope that uh, somebody is stimulated down the line or up in Northland or somewhere uh, to to start the same thing. Yeah, that uh, would be great. How much time uh, sort of per week do you put into it? Uh, probably put in about 20 hours a week. Right. And that's all voluntary, isn't it? Yes, all voluntary. Right. Uh, I mean, do, do you feel that women are especially vulnerable to depression and anxiety? Well, I think one of the things about women is that um, we often hold ourselves to a very high standard. We expect to be perfect in everything that we do and, um, you know, have really high expectations of what we should achieve in our lives. And um, so I think that can definitely have an effect on, you know, mental health issues. Well, my experience is that perfection and mental health are very bad bedfellows. <laughs> That's right. As my husband says, you have to, you know, give yourself permission to fail and give yourself permission to not be perfect. And do you give yourself permission to fail? Uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> Were you a perfectionist uh, in earlier years? Uh, yes, definitely. So very. working in the corporate world, I think... 
there's a pressure to be perfect. That's right, there is. And if you're in a sales role, which is what I was involved in, you know, you're only as good as your last month. And, you know, if you have a bad month, it has a huge effect on, you know, your emotional and um, physical well-being. Well, in public relations, uh, we often said that you're only as good as your last press release. Oh, right. <laughs> and <laughs> I if, like the, that. if the press release got good impact on the business pages of the Herald and other media, then, you know, you, could, you felt that you could confidently charge the client. But if you didn't get too much exposure and they were disappointed, well, maybe, you, you know, the client was going to uh, go elsewhere. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, woman, I think... I always um, use the analogy of playing tennis and I watch four women go out on the court and they spend the first 10 or 15 minutes chatting away to them, each other, enjoying themselves, catching up, sort of checking in. Blokes go on the tennis court and it's all business. Yeah. Out there, want to bang the ball around, what else are we here for, you know? Um so I think probably there is a greater need to get men talking about, you know, their feelings whether, and, and, and how um, they can help themselves mm. and taking that step. I mean, do women, do you think, have a reluctance to go to the doctor if they're feeling sad or they know their mood is low? I think um, women are more likely to go to a doctor than men are, actually. Mm. You know, if I look at my own husband, um, he won't go to the hospital unless he's dying. So. Right. <laughs> I think women um, do probably reach out more, speak more about what's going on and, um, and, and do probably go to the doctor more often. So that's probably why we need the pamper packs even more than women do. <laughs> what would you? What? I'll make you a pamper pack, shall I? <laughs> what, what, what would you put in a bloke's pamper pack? I don't know, some shaving cream, some body wash. Right. Yeah, well, I think there's a big opportunity there. Uh, we might have to think about what uh, is going to go into that pamper pack. Um, so with this goal that you have to have a sort of a nationwide network of um, uh, sisters at heart, uh, how do you think you might go about that? Uh, well, I think it's something that um, we will grow into as more and more donations come through um, yeah. and we will advertise for people in those areas, um, you know, seeking volunteers. We'll have a volunteer page up on our face, uh, sorry, on our website um, where people will be able to put themselves forward to volunteer for that. Because, I mean, there are a lot of people I had coffee, in fact, uh, before coming to see you yesterday with a woman who's wanting to get out of the house, you know. Her mental health has um, <clears throat> been a challenge for her for many, many years. Um, and I forgot to sort of mention to her or suggest to her that volunteering might be a very good start uh, to get into paid work. Yeah. I guess money was a priority for her and um, so she wanted to find a job where it was going to pay her some money. But to build her confidence, maybe to build her computer skills, um, driving was something that she was a little worried about. I mean, those sorts of volunteers could be helpful to you? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So uh, are you actually looking for volunteers at the moment? 
Um, at the moment, we're more focusing on getting donations from businesses. Um, yeah. So that's what we're working on because once we've got all the products, then we'll be able to distribute them throughout the country. Mm. Um, so that's that's what we're really working on at the moment. Yeah, um, so, I mean, it, your focus is uh, sort of the North Shore uh, yes, we do a lot of work on the North Shore, um, yeah. but we have people approach us from all over the country, right. and if we can, we'll send them a pamper pack as well. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify, when you talk about donations, these are not necessarily, well, they're not monetary donations, are they? No, no, we're not looking for monetary donations, um, but we are looking for, you know, items that can go into a pump, uh, into a pamper pack, beauty items that are new um We've had a lot of people through our Facebook page donate their own items, you know, bits and pieces that they, you know, have no use for. Mm. Um, And, you know, we've had small businesses as well that have supported us in providing product. So is there anybody that you'd like to thank uh, in terms of uh, their donations, their support for Sisters at Heart? Oh, great. I'd love to. Yeah. Uh, So Naomi from The Joy of Giving, um, amazing lady. She um, gave us a whole bunch of journals, which are really helpful. Um, We've had uh, K3. They're a face mask uh, company. Um, They've donated a whole bunch of face masks to us. Um, And Bend On have been wonderful. Uh, We just received a whole bunch of lovely dressing gowns from them. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And and the response that you get from these pamper packs, can can you... walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's such a little thing to do um, to provide these little pamper packs to, to women. Um, but they're just overwhelmed with <laughs> with receiving a gift, you know, um, to have a, a card that sort of encourages them and... Um, and, um, you know, a lot of women have said that, you know, they're not in a financial position to buy nice things for themselves. So mm. to have a little bit of pampering is, is, you know, really special. Yeah, well, that's absolutely wonderful. Well, uh, it's uh, Sisters at Heart NZ on Facebook. Check it out. And uh, if uh, there are any uh, businesses out there that would like to support this wonderful uh, charity, then they can do that through uh, the Sisters at Heart NZ Facebook page. Yes, that's right. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Mel, for... uh, um a very stimulating uh, uh, interview and uh, congratulations on your own recovery and your commitment to um, wellness. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that.
Because I need your love so bad I need some lips to feel next to mine Everybody that you 